Grace and peace, my friends, from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit who abides with us all of the days of our lives. I'm so grateful to be able to share with you on this day. And I think about how the Lord is moving in our world today and even in the church today. And it reminds me that uh, we ought to be grateful every chance that we get to thank God for all that the Lord is doing. Thank you also for allowing me to be a part of the Scarlet City Church on this occasion. I want to lift up a word of scripture from the gospel according to St. Mark chapter 9 to center our attention here. I want to begin reading at verse number 14. It reads like this. When the, they came back to the disciples, they saw a crowd, a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to him. And he asked them, What are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. When he saw him immediately, the spirit threw him into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth, and he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to them, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I want to hang my hat on that last part of the text that I've read. I believe. Help my unbelief. And I want to center around this theme of, of holding on and considering how it is that in a world fraught with contradiction and paradox that the Lord invites us to stay in the middle of the struggle and to keep on living while holding on to his unchanging hand. As I present to you on this day all around the nation, uh, violence is erupting, uh, crowds and mobs are gathering in capitals in cities around the country. And it seems to be a continuing state of unrest and division that we see in our country and it's mirrored actually all around the world, but particularly for our purposes and for people of faith in particular. We sometimes step back and we wonder, how is all of this going on? And even more than that, how will we deal with what's going on? I focused on this text because it seems to me that like much of the Bible, this particular narrative portrays a most familiar cast of characters. We see a crowd of uncommitted onlookers. 
There are those who are among the group that are the critical, the legalistic, the argumentative, religious types that are there, the scribes. There are the disciples that are there, those who had been separated from Jesus and the inner circle. They're there at the foot of the mountain while all of this is going on. And in the midst of all of this, there is this ordinary, unnamed man fighting for the health of his tormented son. When Jesus comes down from the mountaintop and enters the fray, having spent time with the Father, he finds the same people then that I believe he would find today in 2021. People in this cast of characters, people who are divided, people who are struggling, people who are fickle, people who are tormented, people who are ineffective, people who need help, people just like you and me. I wish I could say that when we're in relationship with the Lord, we are everything that we should be. But the truth of the matter is, even on our best day, we have a long way to go and we certainly need the Lord's assistance in our lives. Sure, we can look at our lives and see that there is a measure of joy, a measure of peace, a measure of hope, a measure of holiness, a measure of righteousness, of wisdom, of love, all of those characteristics that typify those who are followers of Jesus. But let's be honest and agree that we don't have it all together. Even the best of us, we need help. We don't always represent our king with the faithfulness that God would ask of us. We don't always present ourselves as those who are model kingdom citizens. We all need help in being the kind of people that the Lord wants us to be. And I hear the words of this man in our text over and over again. Yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. There's a strange tension in this text that we all find ourselves in over and over again. Even the best of us, we struggle in the middle of this tension, the tension between what's right and what's wrong. The tension between being godly and being of the earth. We are stressed and we're sinking like the rest of the world. And yet at the same time, we cling to an everlasting hope in the Lord. We're right in the middle. We get weak and we get weary sometimes. But then there are other times when we have strength sufficient to continue standing. We all are struggling in the midst of what is the human condition. And you magnify that personal struggle that all of us go through to the communal level, to the societal level. And it appears again, the phrase of this brother in our story, that profoundly expresses where we are. Yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm right in the midst of this tension between faithful and faithless. We want to pray, but we often don't know how to pray or what to pray. We may quote all the right scriptures at the right times, but often find it hard to live the very scriptures that we're quoting. We want to be strong, but inevitably we fall into our weaknesses. We're caught between mustard seed faith and mountain moving faith. We're right in the middle and we wonder sometimes, did I miss a class along the way when I should have known what to do? 
Is something in me deficient? Am I missing something? Have I lost something? This, my friends, is the tension of the human condition. We are at once saintly and sinful. We are at once idealistic and cynical. Hopeful one minute, but disappointed and depressed in the next moment. On top of the world today and crashed in the ditch tomorrow. Between black lives matter and blue lives in power, we're in the middle. But I've got some good news. That even in the tension, God is still God. And God is God of whatever measure of faith we have in this COVID-19 post-Trump season that we're all living through. On any given day and with any given situation, we don't know whether to believe or if the doubter is going to show up. We're always in the middle of that tension. And here's the problem. I think sometimes we rush too quickly to try to resolve the tension instead of recognizing that it's living in the tension that faithfulness truly is produced. Live the tension. God will work with us wherever we are, whoever we are. I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I trust you, but I need you to make up for what I cannot seem to do for myself. Can you see yourself in this story, caught in the middle of knowing the right things to do, but not always doing the right things? I'm constantly grieved in these present moments as I look around the landscape of our country and I see a country so divided politically and racially and societally. We're divided in every sense of the word. And I want to ask the Lord sometimes, Lord, what am I to do with all of this? How do I live in the midst of this societal tension on top of the very personal tension that I face every day? We're caught in the middle of having faith and having no faith. We want to believe but find it hard to believe. And there are some things that we can hold on to even in the midst of this recognizing that God is still God, no matter what measure of faith we have at any moment in time. We can still hold on and claim the miracle that is available to us to live out our days for Him. Because there's so much more that God wants to do, not only for us, but that God wants to do through us. And God works powerfully through people of faith, whatever that measure of faith may be. So a couple things I want to share with you to help you, to help me hold on in this very trying age that we find ourselves in. The first is I want to remind you that you can hold on because of divine presence. The fact that God is with us means everything. In case you didn't know, God will always make the first move and God has always been up to something even before we catch up to what God is doing. In our text, we see Peter, James, and John coming down the mountaintop with Jesus. They have just experienced the wonderful and amazing transfiguration and Jesus is affirmed as being the Messiah and they come down the mountain and step right into the middle of a big 
mess. The scribes are arguing. They're rioting at the Capitol. They're going through all kinds of commotion. The crowd is confused and dazed. The disciples are flunking miserably. Everything that could go wrong is going wrong, and there's nobody that seems to be in charge to alleviate or to diffuse the situation. But everything that Jesus and these few disciples step into is just a distraction from what's really going on. Because there is, in the midst of this, a situation that needs to be taken care of. This man tells Jesus that he's asked his disciples to heal his son, to deliver his son, but they could not. Now, mind you, there's all kinds of commotion happening. A crowd is gathered. People are arguing. But in the middle of all of that is this one situation that I love what happens here that the Lord himself pays attention to very personally. The disciples couldn't heal his son, and he comes to Jesus. Now, you've got to read between the lines, and you can feel this man's frustration. I'm sure that he's tried everything that he knows to do to get his son well and to no avail. He's tried all the answers. He's followed all the prescriptions, but nothing has helped him. And even more than that, the community that should have been a support could not help him. And so Jesus really does summarize what's going on here. He cuts through all of the distraction, all of the commotion, everything that's going on, and says very simply, this boils down to the fact that you are an unbelieving generation. Literally, the word here means a no-faith generation. The disciples, the crowd, the scribes, this man, nobody in that crowd had sufficient faith for God's power to work. Now, I want to be very clear here that the answers that we seek don't necessarily hinge on our faith, but hinge solely on the God of our faith. And it's in Him that we put our trust. Divine presence is the first and best resource that we have to be able to hold on when we find ourselves in the midst of a struggle. This man recognizes that he's caught in the middle of what he is and what he's supposed to be and doesn't have an answer. But what I love about what he does is he comes to the Lord in an acknowledgement of the presence of the Lord that can make all of the difference in the world. And in doing so, he also acknowledges his present state and where he is. I wonder sometimes if part of what's holding us back is we've not yet gotten to the place where we can admit and acknowledge where we are because we're pretending to be somewhere other than where we are. Hello, America. We're contending with issues and forces that are all around us, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have not yet acknowledged who we are, I mean, who we really are and where we are. I was driving around the city, and I was paying close attention to the navigation system in my car. And, and it occurred to me that GPS only works when there's a reference point. There has to be a starting place in order to get to the place where you want to go. The GPS tells you 
Not only where you're going, but it starts by telling you where you are. Beloved saints of God, we have to acknowledge where we are so that we can get to where the Lord is taking us. And guess what? The Lord not only is with us where we are, but the Lord will meet us where we're going. And the miracle in the middle is never about our capacity. It's never so much about our ability to believe, but it's all about God's presence. And Jesus says to the man, as he acknowledges where he is, as he admits what his situation is, as he references his inability and the inability of the community to do anything about his circumstance, Jesus says, bring the boy to me. His command is lifted in such a way that he's saying, listen, you get out of the way. You stop, stop trying everything that you've been trying. Bring the boy to me. Later on, he would explain to his disciples that this kind of thing can only be dealt with in prayer. Put a check mark on that. It can only be dealt with with prayer, some translations add, and fasting, only by being in the presence, in perfect communion with the Lord, can things really begin to change. This is code that the Lord, I believe, is trying to communicate to us that what we need more than anything is a clear connection with God. We need God's divine presence. We don't need worldly answers to our situations. We need the Lord's presence working through faithful people because we're paying attention to the fact that He is there. Me without Jesus just doesn't cut it, but with God on our side, when God is with us, we have everything that we need. This kind only come out by prayer and fasting. It's a demonstrated dependence that we need today. More social programs won't work. Bright ideas won't solve our problem. More money won't eradicate the issues that are before us. We have to confess our reality for sure, but hold on to the fact that Jesus is still here ready to work through our commitment to him because we recognize that without him we can do nothing, but with him we have everything that we need. Divine presence makes the difference when we're struggling, whether it's personally, individually, or whether it's corporately, communally, societally, when the Lord is in the midst of our lives, we're able to accomplish things that we could never do on our own. I'm waiting for faith leaders to rise up all around the country and pay attention to this, to pay less attention to political parties and platforms and pay more attention to the prophetic voice of the Lord trying to speak to this generation. We need God more than anything else. When we're stuck in the middle, when we're caught in this tension between what we are and what we can be, we need divine presence, the very presence of the Lord. But here's the other thing that I just want to lift before you. We not only absolutely need divine presence, but what we need and what this world needs is courageous engagement. We can hold on when we're courageously engaged 
in what the Lord is doing. This man brings his son to Jesus and he correctly identifies the mute condition of his son as an unclean spirit that has been oppressing him for far too long. He acknowledges that this is demonic influence that's interfering with the health of his son. The demonic, by the way, is whatever is keeping somebody or anybody from the life that God has for them. And again, I want to magnify that beyond just the individual, but the demonic is at work whenever people are kept from the lives that God has for them. The man is genuinely concerned about this demonic affliction of his loved one. If I can translate that a bit, black and brown people, people on the margins, have always had a genuine concern for these United States that have been historically oppressed by demonic influence of all the isms, the racism and the sexism and the ageism and the classism and the militarism and the ableism. All of those are demonic influences that must be addressed and that must be addressed by people of faith who are courageously engaged. Not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. As this story progresses, we see that it's not secular answers that come to address the problem. But as this demon who's oppressing this boy is exposed in the midst of the presence of the Lord. Something interesting happens. He throws this boy into a ruckus, throwing him down into convulsions, and it's almost as though the closer he gets to the power of the Lord, the more that he cannot stay settled in this boy's life. Notice that when anything that is not like God comes into the presence of God and is exposed, it can't remain the way it is. The real mess comes to the surface and cannot hide wherever the presence of the Lord is. When chaos is multiplied, that's a signal. When evil steps up its game, that's a signal that our connection with heaven and the power of God is most available to deal with what is erupting. The place of attack is where our faith can be most powerful. The biggest issues that we have to tackle as a community are the very places where God's power is revealed. Wherever we most doubt, that can be the place where we can most believe. It sounds like a contradiction, but the place where we are most vulnerable, the place where trouble is most visible, is the very place where our faith has the most potential because the Lord is near. We have to expose the trouble of our culture to the God of our faith. And I hate to tell you this, but it seems like the closer the Lord gets, it might get worse before it gets better because evil cannot hide anymore. Don't we see this happening all around our country? Things are exacerbating. Things are getting worse. And I can only believe, even with my tension of not being able to believe, that the Lord somehow is trying to draw us close. 
We may not have all the answers, friends, but we can lean in and courageously engage because the presence of the Lord is with us and the Lord calls us to be about his business. We have to have the courage to engage. And let me help you with this. It's courage to demonstrate humility when we hold all the cards and we don't have any reason to throw up our hands. It's the courage to forfeit our need to be right for the sake of relationship, often with people who don't think like us, people who look different from us. It's courage to express radical generosity to people who may not seem to deserve any help that we can give. It's courage to love when we can't seem to agree with one another. It's courage to be loved when we don't seem to understand how one another is thinking. We have to have courage to engage. And we may not have great faith, but we do serve a great God. And we can hold on in the midst of this tension when we're able to give it all to the Lord. This situation that we find in this text didn't have to be. In fact, Jesus asked the man, how long has this been going on? Not because he doesn't know the answer to that, but he's trying to make a point that this has been going on for far too long when the resource was available to you. Beloved, I hope you hear me when I say that the things that are plaguing our nation and plaguing our communities, they have been going on for far too long when we have the resources to do something about it. And his name is Jesus. Jesus says, what in the world have you been waiting on? Well, we've been waiting on God and all the while God has been waiting on us to step up and to courageously engage. And Jesus says these wonderful, powerful, memorable words. Everything is possible for those who believe. But wait a minute. I do believe. But Lord, help my unbelief. I'm still stuck in this tension. And what I love about God is that wherever we are, whatever measure of faith we have, however it seems that we can't do anything, God meets us in the tension because it's never so much about our faith, but it's always about the God of our faith. Faith may be lacking, but with the faith that we have, we hold on. One, because we have his divine presence. Two, because we have the power to courageously engage everything that is before us. Church, let's be the church. And even in the middle of this tension of believing, but struggling and doubting and not believing and giving up hope sometimes, even in that struggle, God says, I'll meet you there. Be the church in the name of Jesus. Amen.